Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Hey, Liz. Hey, Kat. I am excited to introduce this episode. Um, We had an incredible guest, a few slight audio issues, which made for us not doing the best active listening because we couldn't actively hear. But we had a fascinating guest named Tracy Azamoa, who is both a child psychiatrist as well as a coach who specializes around transitions. And we spoke with Tracy about her practice and around transitions, especially related to the job. And I just thought she was fascinating. Yeah, I think she uh I think she brings so much to the table in this role that she's carved out for herself. Mm-hmm. She seems to I mean she's clearly very smart, but also just the energy she brings to the role is so calming and and supportive. I bet she'd just be an amazing coach. Totally. The type of person that if you're stuck, she will move you forward into feeling unstuck and feel at ease and calm and really point out action items that you can do in order to move you to the next stage in your life, whatever your issue of stickiness may be. One of the things that really struck me that I find so true in the whole coaching process is that sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's challenging and sometimes you have to really open yourself up to explore. Mm -hmm. And I think Tracy uh, gets that really clearly. And I also sense that she is amazing at holding space for her clients to be able to do that and to help them move forward. Couldn't agree with you more. And now without further ado, here is our Real Job Talk interview with Dr. Tracy Asamoah. So thank you for having me. I am, like you said, a child and adolescent psychiatrist and a coach for primarily for women. And I started my career, which is my day job as a child psychiatrist, a little over a decade and a half ago. I love my job. I love the work that I do. I started off working in academic and nonprofit settings, um, really having a passion for working in communities where I felt like there weren't a lot of resources. Um, what I found doing these jobs as the years went on was that I didn't feel like I was in a place where I could really do my best work and really started questioning whether or not I need to, to find a different way to do my work. And that got me out of the nonprofit academic sector into private practice. Um, one of the wonderful things about being able to do private practice is I really get to design my work life in a way that works for me. Um, but it was a lot of work getting there, both practically minded getting there and kind of emotionally and and um, cognitively getting to what that would look like. And, and through that process, I really started to think about other people who might be having some of those same types of thoughts and questions about where they are and how they dealt with things that were difficult in their lives and got more interested in working with people and understanding how do we go through transitions? How do we figure out what things aren't working in our life and do hard things and move on to something next? And got that got me into this um idea of working with with people and and coaching and and making big decisions and going through transitions. Wonderful. Well, that's a really powerful combination, Tracy. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you're managing and linking your roles as a child psychiatrist and a coach? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm actually in a group um 
with other physicians who are women who are also coaches. And we are really tossing that idea around of how can we be most impactful with the people that we work with. And because child psychiatry is vastly different from um, my role as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason that I think I'm so attracted to it is, although I... Uh, have no question that I want to work with kids and adolescents as I do my day job. I also miss working with adults in a different way. And and I really enjoy working with people, not necessarily around the problems that they're having um, from the standpoint of illnesses or psychological difficulties that they're dealing with, but just going through normal life stuff and figuring out how do we go through these big questions and situations that we deal with in our day-to-day lives and and have that go a little bit differently. And so that got me into kind of more of my coaching role, which is just a little bit different than what I do on a day-to-day basis with um, the patients that I work with. So Tracy, since we're a career podcast, let's talk about some tips and thoughts around career transitions. Yeah. So when someone comes to you unhappy with their current job or career, what's your first reaction? Well, you know, really getting to the bottom of what their their struggle is you know is it really just the job is it a particular place that they're working is it the pace that they're working is it their ability to prioritize so it's really teasing out what the root of the issue is because sometimes it may not be the job that they're doing it just might be the place that they're doing it it may not be the job itself it just may be that there's all of these other things in their life that they're trying to balance that are all really important or at least they feel really important and they're having a hard time sorting through that. And so part of what I like to do is to think about really defining what is important, what are the priorities, and using that to decide, okay, so how does my work life align with what I really value and what I really need in my life? And so it's really kind of taking a step back and trying to understand why does job satisfaction feels so lower? Why does the job feel like something that just isn't a great fit at this point in time? Tracy, do you use any assessments or other tools to help your clients figure out their career path? You know, I there's a, there's a lot of different assessments out there. Right now, I use different tools that are really aimed at identifying goals, identifying values. I don't mm-hmm. use like personality assessments mm-hmm. or strength finders or any of those sorts of things. That's that's not really um, kind of the way that I work with people. I really do a lot more at identifying goal setting, understanding values, understanding priorities, and kind of looking at a larger picture way of understanding um, where someone's... Um, where someone's ideas are about where they are currently and where they want to be going down the road. Mm, Kat, sounds like a must-have list. It does, it does, <laughs> doesn't it? Hmm. Getting getting clear on, on vision and values and exactly. all of that stuff is really important. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So Tracy, so someone comes to me, I'm miserable at work, I'm miserable in general, I'm just plain miserable. What, how do you suggest someone deal with the work situation if maybe it's not work, but it's general life that's getting them down? 
Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because as a psychiatrist, that can be a complicated issue because really, I always want to understand if someone is dealing with an issue that is significant enough that they really do need a different type of um, support. Um, because my role in working with my coaching coaching patients is not to work as their psychiatrist. I'm mm-hmm. not there to diagnose, you know, anxiety or depression and to, to work with them that way. But if that is what I think is the most important thing that they're bringing to me, I absolutely want to help point them in the right direction to get that kind of help. Um, If we figure out that, well, no, it's not the work, but they're just at a point in their life where they're really stuck or struggling, then we really do look to figure out what's at the root of their distress. Some people, it really just may be that they've just identified too many things as priorities and they're having a hard time sorting out what's the most important thing because we only, you know, we have 24 hours a day. Ideally, we really only have 16 hours that we're awake and eight that we're sleeping. So, you know, there's just a limited amount of time to to give your attention to things. I think the way that people really want to give their attention. Um, and so if someone comes with just this general, I feel miserable, we really do do some work at saying, okay, well, let's pick one thing, you know, identify one thing that you think you're feeling miserable about. And let's, let's look at that. Let's see, you know, what your thoughts are about that. What are your expectations? What's aligning in your life and what's not? And, and really starting to kind of get very concrete about what we want to be looking at. So no giant changes for general misery. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? Well, you know, it general misery to me is is just really not helpful. <laughs> there there usually is something else that's going on that's causing that feeling of general misery. I don't ha- I don't know if I have a diagnosis code for general misery, so I like to get a little bit more specific. <laughs> but I do believe and I see it with career coaching people that they have a general life upset and they yeah. blame the job and they think that the new job is going to solve everything and it doesn't. And so I love that you're kind of like, let's look at everything. Mm -hmm. But what I guess my question should have asked, like, are you saying that you wouldn't recommend big changes until you understand root causes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because... How do you even calibrate what direction to make your change if you don't really know what you're changing in response to? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, when people are really struggling and really feeling miserable or are really at a pain point, I don't recommend making a big change until you really identify where that pain is coming from. Because, you you know, like you said, you may think that a job is going to fix something and maybe the job is the source. Or you may think that the job is the source and maybe it's a problem in a relationship that's being displaced to the job. And so until you figure out where that pain is really originating from, you could make a bunch of changes and continually finding yourself in the same situation or repeating the the same patterns because you never really identified Mm -hmm. what kept getting you to the same place time after time. So how do you isolate career versus other life issues? Is it harder for you because of your, of your education and background to, to help with that? For me to help other people or how do I do it myself? (laughs) I I guess, I guess I'm asking a part A and B question, right? You know, it's, I'm probably better at helping other people do it than I am doing it myself. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to be objective with, with others. 
Yeah, oh yeah. I'm great sitting with a person across from me and and taking a couple steps back and looking at mm-hmm. what's going on and being able to walk through with them, you know, kind of the concrete steps to get to the next point um, than I am with my life. But, you know, one of the biggest things that I like to do with people, I think it really always starts with an awareness, right? And so you may feel, you know, you may have this visceral feeling of discomfort and, and being unsettled and feeling like things Things are just falling apart. I mean, I hear that things are just falling apart. Things aren't working, um, but you haven't really thought of. So, what are those things? And kind of sitting down and actually going through and identifying. So, what isn't working? And and sitting down and sorting things out and 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 putting them in compartments and then saying, okay, so what do I see? You know, and I and I like to have people say. So, if you take, for instance, someone who is really feeling frustrated about their job, maybe they feel like they. They've continued to suggest projects that they want to to kind of take lead on and they're never given that opportunity and having someone sit down and say, well, what does your dream like? If you could picture what your ideal position would look like, what would that be? Just fantasize, just go with it and then say, okay, so now we know what the dream looks like. Let's step back and and start taking a look at where we are right now. What are some of the practical steps that we can do to get there? And, And I think you can do that with a lot of parts of your life. If you're someone who has kids, I'm thinking of this now because my brother and his wife are going through it, kids that are all graduating from high school and starting college and and getting out of the house and they're right now at a point when they're trying to figure out with kind of where, are they going to stay living where they are? Are they going to sell their house? Are mm-hmm. they going to start traveling? And and again, saying, well, let's, you know, this is something you haven't thought about before. Let's, let's look at what the dream would look like. Okay, now let's back up and think of, well, what's this, what's something you could do today that would get you a little closer there? So I really do think, you know, when I talk to people, I really try to say if we could clear out some of the distractions and some of those things that are clouding the issue. And let's just hone in on this one thing. What can we think about with this one thing? I think that is so powerful. Asking your client or even asking ourselves, what's the one thing I can do today to move the needle, right? It's such a powerful question. Highly, highly recommend. So you asked me before about kind of approaches with with the clients I work with. And I'm going to remove the my psychiatry practice Mm -hmm. out of this because that's a little bit different, but really focusing on kind of what we're talking about here today is the coaching is that I really don't like to let anyone leave my office without identifying what are you going to do next? What's next? What happens? What's your first step? And a concrete Mm -hmm. step, it could be, I've had people say, I'm going to write a list of, I worked with someone on exercise and Mm -hmm. it was like, I'm going to write a list of days that I'm going to exercise and the times I'm going to do it. You know, what does that list look like? What is the physical, tangible thing you can do right now today? We've got time to work with that dream that we envision that feels a bit, bit more in the clouds, but we can do something right now and today. So what's first? I love that because I believe when I do coaching sessions, I want them to feel movement forward, Yes, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's what they're looking for. They're coming because they're stuck. Yep. Yeah. We may not fix the problem session one, but I want motion towards unsticking. Right. At every session. So when you're thinking about someone who's a candidate to change career, 
What are some signs that you think people can look for to say, maybe I am a candidate for a career change? Yeah, you know, here's what the way I like to think about it. Kind of the big picture way is you really want to be running to and not away from something. Mm. And so if you have something that you think that you could go to and really truly feel like how you feel about what you do on a daily basis puts you in a better state of mind and well-being than what you're currently doing, that's a really great start. I think the other thing is if you are if you're in a position that your mental well-being is truly being impacted that you know that you're really getting sick from what you're doing then you may just have to leave for self-preservation mm-hmm. but ideally you want to be able to move to something where you can say you know what it doesn't have to be the perfect thing that's next but something that's at least got me feeling better than what I'm feeling now at least it's a step towards something that feels different it could be better just because it's you know wow and Instead of working 60 hours a week, you know, I'm actually working 40 hours a week. I get to go home before six during most days of the week. I'm not taking my laptop home on weekends and working for another 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Those little changes, I mean, working 60 versus 40 hours a week isn't little, um, <laughs> but but those kind of those kind of tweaks make a huge difference, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, if you can identify, and I think the other thing about being a good candidate is, again, having clarity on why where you are now isn't a good fit. Again, Mm -hmm. just this idea of, oh, I'm just miserable. Well, if you don't have some idea of what that means to you, you won't know how to not feel miserable in the next place because being who you are, you're likely to get in the same patterns that got into this place in the first place. And so you really want to say, okay, I'm miserable. Let me let me kind of distill that down a little back a little bit and see what that means. And then once you can identify those things that are really causing you to struggle, then you can identify, okay, so I know when I go to my next job and I'm speaking from personal experience, I need to have some time to eat food. <laughs> I can't go an entire eight to 10 hours and, and not have time to at least have, you know, 30 minutes for lunch or something. And so I know that about myself. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I build into my days. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that there's something about envisioning yourself, like if I'm in sales and I am selling and I hate selling and I don't want to be selling anymore, if I picture myself selling somewhere else and that still puts that knot in my stomach and makes me feel miserable, then I probably should switch from sales. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you probably then need to maybe, if you picture yourself in sales for some reason, then maybe you need to really start to work with the coach on what is it about sales that draws Mm -hmm. me and what is it that I struggle with? Because if I can pick out those components that really appeal to me, maybe it's just I like interacting with people and talking about something I have passion for, but I don't like moving products. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like that pressure. And so identifying that can maybe point you in the direction of a career that might be a better fit. That's so true. So who's your ideal coaching client? What should people know about you to assess if you're the right coach for them? Yeah, you know, here's my ideal client is really someone who has enough motivation to say that 
I get that I'm stuck somewhere. I don't have to have the solution, but I, I do know that with support, I'm ready and willing to take a step. And it can be a tiny step. I'm not asking for people to come and commit to doing anything drastic, except to say I'm willing to listen and to put some work in and to identify another step I can take or a mm-hmm. first step I can take. And if, if people can do that, then we can do a lot together. That's awesome. So just a an openness to change and yeah. the openness being bigger than perhaps, you know, I, I see so many people let fear hold them back. And when the openness mm-hmm. is bigger than the fear, that seems to be the key, right? To actually being able to create some yeah. lasting change. And, and a willingness to do mm-hmm. some really hard work, right? Because yeah. it is hard to look at some of these things, not just to to, to come up with the actions, but to even look at some of these things about yourself and, and to really kind of answer some hard questions about who you are and where you are and, and to be willing to be honest about it, you know. And for me, when I made the change from working in the nonprofit sector to moving into private practice, I had to really, really understand if I could identify myself practicing medicine as a very different kind of doctor than I initially thought I was, because I wouldn't be able to serve the people who I thought I would be serving um, in the same way. So part of what I had to search for were other ways that I could accomplish some of the things I accomplished at work and be able to do my work in a different way. Um, But that was a hard thing for me to get. That took a lot of work for me to say, okay, I'm letting go of this identity of who I thought I was as a physician. I can still be a wonderful physician to a lot of people, but it's going to look different. And mm-hmm. these these other groups of people that I have a lot of commitment and passion for working for, I've got to find a different way to work with them too. I think you touched on something, you know, being willing to shift our perception, the perception that we have about our identity is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like you said, it's not an easy thing to do, but but if you can have that openness and willingness, it really can open up the door to so much for you. And it can be a lot of fun because then you start mm-hmm. learning so many things about yourself. I mean, when you open yourself up that way, then you you really learn about yourself in a very different way than maybe you had considered previously. And, you know, for me, change typically leads to growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's obviously, there's the change that you invite and the change that you're shoved into. (laughs) Right, right. You know, you deciding to buy a new house because you and your your spouse or partner have saved money and have decided that it's time to finally get that room enough for a guest is one thing. You're, you know, losing your house to a house fire is a whole nother thing. All of them are changes and all of them are changes that people can get through. You just, you know, you have to be ready and open to doing the work to get through those changes. Awesome. So important. So Tracy, where do we find you? (laughs) So for my coaching world, I have a website. It's tracyasamoacoaching.com. And that explains a little bit about what I do and and the 
types of folks I work with and kind of my interest in helping people dealing with change and transition and those sorts of things. Um, that's probably the best place to start. I would say you could find me on social media, but I think that would be dishonest. I'm not great with social media, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to pretend that that game is where it needs to be right now. So, you know, maybe in the future. And I do some writing for a few different sites. So you may see articles of mine pop up from time to time on a variety of different topics. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and your advice and wisdom. We truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you for having me. It was a fun, fun evening. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and real job talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>